Father, it's a joy to be in your house this morning, and it's a joy to be with your people. Lord, there's just something good about being with the people of God. There's just something good about what we gather here to do, and that is to worship you. As we've just sung, Lord, your love for us, it just amazes us, the fact that in spite of who we are, our weaknesses, our failures, our inconsistencies, Lord, you still choose to love us. And we come this morning just to praise you, to express our deep gratitude, and to say, Lord, while we truly are thankful for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, your unconditional love, Lord, please know our hearts that we're not content to stay where we are. We're not content to excuse the inconsistencies and the failures of our life. But we truly want to change. We want to be more like Christ in our attitudes, in our actions. And we want the world around us to know that we've been with Jesus and that we are his followers. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning, through the worship, through the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And I pray that when we leave here in just a little bit, our hearts would be filled with even more love for you. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you're a guest with us, we are beginning a two-part series through the letter of 3 John. We've just completed 2 John. Before that, we had gone through the entire letter of 1 John. And this morning, I want <clears throat> to talk to you about um, walking in truth and love, um, showing Christian hospitality to God's servants, which is the theme of this third letter. You know, when you read the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether it's Abraham receiving the three angelic strangers in Genesis 18, or the Midian priest who took in Moses in Exodus chapter 2, or Rahab allowing Joshua's spies to uh, stay in her home in Joshua 2, or even Nehemiah extending hospitality just to a random trumpet player we read about in Nehemiah chapter 4. The Old Testament is full of examples of hospitality being extended to complete strangers. But strangers who because of the hospitality became valued guests. The New Testament is no different. 
we read about the Samaritan woman who invited Jesus, who was a stranger, to stay with the people in her community in John chapter 4. We read about the Apostle Paul, who previously had been a stranger and a vicious enemy of the church, who is taken in by the apostles in Acts chapter 9. And in that same chapter, we read where Peter was invited to stay with a tanner named Simon during his time in Joppa. And it's obvious that hospitality is an important biblical trait, and it's a necessary part of the Christian life and witness. And if you look here in 3 John, this letter is all about expressing love for others by offering hospitality within the church. There are three church members who are pointed out in this letter that John uh, makes note of. There's a man named Gauss, there's another man named Diotrephes, and then a man named Demetrius. Two of these men were godly, one was ungodly. He was a troublemaker in the church. The letter is written to an upstanding Christian layman. It's written to Gauss, the first of the three church members. And he's talking, John is talking to Gauss about a report that he had heard about Gauss's witness and how incredible his witness was and how pleasing it was to John to hear the good things that were reported about this faithful layman. It's easy to outline the book biographically. This morning we're going to study uh, the first of the three church members, Gauss. Next Sunday we'll look at the other two men. There's not quite as much said about the other two men, but what is said is very important. And here's what I want you to think about as we look at each one of these Christian laymen, three church members. I want you to think about all three of these men and see which one looks something like yourself. Ask yourself an important question. Does my life bring praise to the name of Jesus? Are people drawn closer to Christ because of my witness or are they driven further away from him? Do I live out Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, where Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Here's what I want you to take away from this first message this morning. As we walk in the truth of the gospel, as we walk faithfully, in the truth of the gospel, our lives will reflect the love, the affection, and the hospitality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at this first of these three church members, a man named Gauss. Gauss is a man whose witness is pleasing or gratifying to John. Now, John had a very high opinion of this man, Gauss, as seen in his reference to him. He calls him my beloved or the beloved Gauss. He uses that term 
quite frequently in uh, this letter. Four times, matter of fact, in verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 11. Whenever John thought about Gauss, his heart was filled with love. He must have been a remarkable Christian. I, I believe, as most commentators have suggested, that Gauss was a convert of John. John was uh, the man who probably was primarily uh, involved in leading him to faith in Christ. And John has gotten a report from some men who have come from the church where Gauss is a member and John was familiar with that this man was growing in his faith. He was living out the truth of the gospel and it was seen in different ways. So let's look. Verses 1 through 4, John writes, I want you to see in the first place that Gauss's witness was pleasing to John in the first place because of his holy walk, his uh, walk in the truth of the gospel. Look what it says there. The elder to the beloved Gauss, whom I love in truth, he says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Here's what he's saying. You are so spiritually healthy. I hope that you are as physically well as you are spiritually. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John loved Gauss because he was walking in the gospel. He was maturing in his faith. His speech and his life agreed. His belief and his behavior were the same. Some folks had come from the church where Gauss was a member and given John this report. He was learning the truth. He was living the truth. And John says, look again there in verse 4. He says, I have no greater joy. In other words, nothing pleases me more than to hear that my children, my spiritual children, those whom I have had the privilege and the honor of leading to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing pleases me more, nothing gives me greater joy than to hear that they are walking in the truth. Friend, nothing brings more joy to a believer's heart than to see that someone, whether it's a child, a young person, a family member, that you were instrumental in helping lead to faith in Jesus Christ, to see that that person is growing in their faith. That instead of growing away from Christ as they grow older, as they uh, mature, that they are growing closer to Christ and that their faith is becoming even stronger, hearing that they are walking in holiness in the truth of the gospel encourages us. It pleases us. It brings great joy. John says, nothing pleases me more than to hear Gauss, my beloved friend, that you are walking in holiness, in the truth of the gospel. Not only that, 
John specifically commends gals for the hospitable works that he was engaged in. If you continue reading in verses 5 through 8, he says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Gauss was the kind of church member that when he got word from the pastors or elders of his church that a missionary or a traveling preacher was coming to town and was going to be holding meetings, Gauss was one of the first to step up to the plate and to volunteer his home as a place for that missionary or that traveling preacher to stay. He was showing hospitality to Christian workers. Even though those people may be complete strangers to him, he knew they were God's servants and he wanted to do anything he could to help them. He had been so faithful and such a gracious host in that way that these men reported to John, there is a man named Gauss in the church we were at. And he is serving the Lord by being a friend, welcoming people into his home who are serving the Lord. And he's been a great blessing to those. We, maybe those same men who have brought the report back to John, we don't know, but maybe those men themselves stayed in his home and they were reporting back to John what a pleasure it was, how um, a warm a welcome Gauss had given them and how hospitable he had been towards them. And now John is writing to say how pleased he was to hear this report about his friend and how he had extended Christian hospitality. In 1983, Nancy and I were up in Anacortes, Washington. We were on an assignment from Southwestern Seminary. It was part of my class assignment. We were going up there as church planters to start a church up in the port city of Anacortes, which is right at the tip of uh, Washington. You have to go um, uh, through, uh, through Anacortes. You, go, you get the ferry in Anacortes to go to the San Juan Islands and um, uh, we, we didn't know anybody up there. We just knew that God was calling us to do uh, this for the summer. And I remember on the way up there, um, uh, part of our concern was we didn't know anybody. We had talked to the director of missions over the telephone, but we didn't know him other than the fact we knew he was originally from Texas, he and his wife, and his name was Harry Morris. And when we got up to Anacortes and met uh, Harry and his wife, um, all of a sudden, it was like a relief came over us because they treated us as if we were their own children and they welcomed us into their home and provided for us a place to stay until we got our own apartment for the two and a half months we were up there. And uh, they fed us meals in their home and they took us around the town to show us various places that we would want to know about as we began our 
project of starting that church up there and meeting important people. And I've never forgotten their hospitality and how gracious they were to us. And the point is, is that Harry Morris and his wife, while Nancy and I were up there knocking on the doors and uh, doing the uh, organizing and leading in the worship services and the Sunday school class that we had going and the Bible study group we got going, while we were doing all that, they were as much a part of that work because of their willingness to show hospitality to us. Because if they hadn't been there to help us, we would not have been able to do that work. And John is saying to this man, Gauss, your Christianity is alive. And it is seen in the way you treat God's servants. And John is praising this man for his hospitality. Well, God extended Gauss extended gracious hospitality. Second, he extended generous help for God's servants. Not only did he offer up his home, not only did he offer, uh, uh, offer himself as a host to these servants, but he went a step further. He helped these men as they left to continue their work uh, for the Lord. Look what it says there in verse, the latter part of verse 6 through verse 8. He says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Friend, John is dealing with the matter of supporting those who teach and preach God's word. He's saying, Gauss, it's commendable that you've opened up your home and you've allowed these men to stay there with you while they're serving the Lord in your city, in your town. He said, well, you've gone even further as they have left your house and gone on their journey to other places to teach and to minister God's word. You sent them off with support. John is commending this man for doing such. We see three basic statements about the need of Christians here to support Christian workers. First of all, it is a godlike thing to do. John says in verse 7, look what it says, You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they, meaning Christian workers, have gone out for the sake of the name of What name? The name of Jesus. It's Jesus' name we take to the lost. It's his gospel that we share with the lost. And we must do everything we can to support the work of the gospel because it's Jesus' name that we are supporting. Um, And that's what we have to always keep in mind. It's not the individual as such. It's who they represent. They are God's representatives. They are God's messengers. And the message they are proclaiming is a message about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, when people are on mission for the Lord, they go out accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Look what it says there in the uh, second part of verse 7. They accept nothing from the Gentiles. Listen, the Bible nowhere expects the world to pay for the spread of the gospel. That is the responsibility of believers. 
of the church. God has blessed his church so that those who go out with the message, whether it's volunteer missionaries from the church who go to places like Honduras or Spain or Kenya or other places, Connecticut, where we have gone as a church. It's not the world outside's responsibility to support those people. That is the responsibility of God's people within the church. Friend, God has blessed us. And we show our gratitude for what the gospel has done for us by supporting those who go out with the same gospel so that it can have an impact on other people's lives in the same way it has impacted our own. Thirdly, we ought to support Christian workers. Look in verse 8. So that they, we, we may be fellow workers for the truth with them. These preachers and missionaries whom Gauss was supporting, were very probably the ones John had sent out to minister the gospel. And Gauss gladly did his part in getting the message out by supporting them. So in essence, these men, and these men were out there spreading the gospel wherever they were going as missionaries or traveling preachers and teachers. But Gauss, even though he couldn't go out with them, he was as much a part of the work because he was able to support them with his resources. Friend, many can't go on mission trips. Many can't take the time off to do that. Many have family obligations that keep them from doing that. There are many who can't support um, uh, uh, mission trips or missionaries uh, financially in the same way that others can. But there are so many different ways that we can support the work of the Lord. Some people can support the work of the Lord by going as volunteers and helping our missionaries on the field. Some can give resources, financial resources, to help pay for things that might be needed there on the field or to help those who can go to make that trip. And there are others who would say, you know what, I can't go. Pastor, I don't even have the money. I wish I did, but I don't even have the money to help somebody go. But I can pray. And every one of those people are invested in the work of the Lord because of their willingness to help and to support that work. I remember when Nancy and I went on our first mission trip to Seoul, South Korea, we were uh, at a church in, si in Fort Worth, Sagamore Hill Baptist Church, and uh, Nancy and I were just literally poor seminary students. Um, and w this trip was going to be expensive. It was like, I don't know, $1,200 a piece uh, to go on this trip to South Korea. We were going to be gone for nearly 10 days. And, and I just remember um, I was working for a man there, um, in the church, doing construction, he built houses, and um, I, Nancy and I had gotten to know this couple, and they had kind of adopted us. They were an older couple, and 
One day, Preston and I were working, and um, uh, he, we were talking about the uh, mission trip and um, how Nancy and I had, you know, signed up for it. But I, and I said, I said, but you know what? I said, Preston, I'm not sure I should have signed up for this trip because I have no idea how we're going to go on this trip. And lo and behold, I don't know how much longer it was after that, maybe a week. Somebody came up, the leader of that team came up, his name was Brian, I'll never forget, he came up and he said, uh, I'm glad to know you and Nancy are going on the trip. I said, well, we're still praying about it, I don't know whether we're going or not. He said, what are you talking about? He said, your way's already been paid. I said, what do you mean our way's already been paid? He said, well, he said an anonymous person has given enough money so both of you can make this trip. And I, it wasn't until later I found out that it was Preston and his wife, Sammy, who paid our way so that we could go to Seoul, Korea on our very first mission trip. And I've often thought about, through the years, all the mission trips I've been on since then, and I've thought of Preston and Sammy Wright and how, while they couldn't go to Korea, Sammy actually had cancer the wife, and she was sick and couldn't go physically. She was unable to make it. But they paid our way so that we could go. And every day we were there, I thought about Preston and Sammy, who may not have been there physically, but were there spiritually with us, helping in that work. John says to Gauss, you not only have opened up your home and welcomed God's servants in to your home, but you have sent them out and they are doing the work of the Lord because of your support. And I wonder if God is challenging us to be more hospitable as Christians, are we willing to open up our homes to strangers, God's servants, traveling missionaries, preachers, teachers who come in to lead a seminar or a weekend retreat? How about to open up your home for a small group Bible study? And are you the type of believer who when you hear about a need for God's servants, you step up to the plate and you say, what does God want me to do to help in this work? John says to Gauss, I am so pleased to hear what God is doing in your life. Not only are you walking in the truth, living a holy life, but you are participating in the work of the Lord by opening up your home and giving to support God's servants. May God help us as a church and as individuals 
to see how important it is that we become hospitable to his outsiders, fellow believers who are seeking to serve the Lord. Let's pray.